Hello there, I'm Patrick Stroth, president of Rubicon M&A Insurance Services. Welcome to M&A Masters, where I speak with the leading experts in mergers and acquisitions. And we're all about one thing here, that's a clean exit for owners, founders, and their investors. Today, I'm joined by Dan Phelps, founder and managing director of Salt Creek Capital. Based here in Silicon Valley, actually just down the road from our offices, Salt Creek Capital is a lower middle market private equity firm that partners with talented executives to acquire profitable small businesses across the United States. And this is one of the rare times that I can actually say to a guest, uh, howdy neighbor. So Dan, welcome to the show. Hi, Patrick. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. Now, we've got a great story for the approach that Salt Creek Capital takes, and I think we may break a little bit of news here in this interview, so I'm looking forward to that. But before we go down that road, Dan, let's start with you. How did you get to this point in your career? Um, I started in principal investing over 20 years ago, shortly after um, earning my MBA in the University of Chicago and um, spent time in both uh, venture as well as um, smaller uh, private equity investing experiences before founding Salt Creek Capital over 11 years ago with my partners, uh, two, two of my partners who are still with me and uh, busy working every day. And uh, I think we, we had an investment strategy uh, on lower middle market acquisitions that really focused on two factors that, that evolved into our strategy. First, that many lower middle market businesses, meaning those that were $5 million and below in EBITDA, were largely underserved by the private equity community. Most PE firms looking for businesses larger than that, while those businesses oftentimes were too large for an individual investor to acquire. So there's, there's sort of this soft spot in the market of, I would say, a million and a half to about $5 million of EBITDA. And we felt like that was a good market for us to serve. And second, um, it's often the case that those businesses are owner-operated situations or family-owned businesses. So concurrent with a sale of control in those businesses, there's many times a need for new leadership. And so that transition of leadership as part of the acquisition was something that we wanted to make sure that we were prepared for and had the capabilities to work through with a seller uh, concurrent with the transaction. So, so those two dynamics have really led um, to how we've developed our investment thesis and platform. Um, I would say to be prepared, what we've done is develop a bench of executives that we work with through what we call our executive partner program. And those folks are involved with our sourcing efforts and, and ultimately become CEO of a company that we acquired together. So um, the seller is able to see those executives and, and meet the CEO who would be coming in post-closing, giving that seller more comfort and confidence uh, in what will happen to his business post-close. Um, and frankly, those executives enable us to differentiate ourselves from other buyers because you know, they stand out with the experiences they bring and the accomplishments they've had in their prior roles. Um, and we found this to be quite attractive to a, a lot of executives who have maybe run larger organizations um, of, of bigger companies, but had more of an entrepreneurial interest in wanting to explore that um, 
be backed by a private equity firm, invest personally alongside us as part of that transaction. So it does a nice job of aligning interests with the management that we bring in of that newly acquired company. Um, and again, differentiates us in, in many respects. I think that with you know this approach, which is, is really unique, uh, you could probably have the executives that want to partner with you. They're probably a little better at picking up investment opportunities because you'll have the a lot of PEs, you know, have real talented, intelligent people that are outsourcing deals and working theories. You've got literally operators that know what they really want to do and they know what works and they know what to look for and 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 are pro- probably pretty successful in finding you know successful ventures absolutely you're you're so right about that it definitely helps our sourcing and the rigor of the selection process that we go through essentially we're we're identifying businesses that we believe would be quite attractive investment candidates and we're looking at financials and competitive landscape our executive partners are looking at uh, those operational issues that you mentioned and how well their background and skill set match up with that business and when those two things uh, come together the operator sees a, an opportunity to leverage strengths and experiences we see a great acquisition candidate um, boy we get excited and, and we go after it and um We've completed about 35 of these transactions over the last 10 years. And in each one of those cases, that was one of our executives becoming CEO on day one. Um, so that that's definitely a, a working model. It's it's proven to be very effective for us. Well, tell me a little bit more about Salt Creek Capital. I, we, you've been around 10 years, so you're not new to this thing. And you're committed to the lower middle market. We've talked about that, and we can get into that a little bit. But Let's get real basic here, because unlike law firms or insurance firms that are completely lacking any kind of creativity, you know, we just name our companies after the founders' names. Okay, this isn't called Phelps Capital. How'd you come up with the name Salt Creek? Yeah, great question. Um, I relocated from Chicago uh, to Northern California here, and we used to live in the western suburbs in Hinsdale and Salt Creek actually runs through Oak Brook and Hinsdale and some of those communities. And, you know, many of the um, private businesses in those areas were Salt Creek this or Salt Creek that. And I sort of liked that uh, feel that these were, you know, family owned uh, businesses that had been around serving the community for a long time. Uh, and so I adopted that as we began to focus on other family owned and uh, private privately held businesses is, you know, the type that we were seeking. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we, we I, actually have some pictures of the real Salt Creek here in our office. How about that? Well, I, it's just, I mean, a parallel with San Francisco is the different districts. You've got the, the Sunset District and the Parkside District and, and Knob Hill, and you would have all those businesses named, you know, after the district. So that's uh, uh, some continuity there. Excellent. The um, focus that happens with a lot of firms is they start with, real small acquisitions as they're getting started and then over time they grow. You didn't do that. You're not up in the, you know, 500 plus million dollar transactions. You kind of kept to your knitting. Why, why take that road? Yeah, I think a couple of reasons. One of which was that um, approach that we took in the market that we wanted to serve. Again, those um, that were underserved by private equity firms, but too large for individual investors and that ability to to help with the change in leadership, we think really gives us a differentiating approach. 
And I think post acquisition, uh, it's also given us a playbook over time through all the various experiences we've had and um, some of the organic improvements that, that we believe we can make to a business once we acquire those, those companies. And initially, it's a lot of times implementing new software and systems. A family-owned uh, business or owner-operator oftentimes may be more interested in cash flow and less interested in gap accounting. Uh, we have a different set of needs, so we end up introducing different softwares and software and systems to help manage and, and focus on KPI, key, key performance indicators. Um, we may end up um, focusing a lot more on growth than a, an owner who's preparing for retirement and less interested on, in taking on more risk, um, but instead uh, feeling like that business is uh, doing a great job serving lifestyle. You know, we may decide, hey, let's expand our product line or let's expand our service area. Um, we may invest in additional capacity uh, to, to grow output. Um, there's a lot of different things we do typically on an organic basis. Um, that's not to say we don't do add-on acquisitions. We, we definitely do add-on acquisitions, uh, but we do want our investment thesis uh, to be achieved if we can get there organically uh, because there's less risk that a, a, a new add-on acquisition is required for us to meet our investment um, objectives. Uh, there's there's risk that you find the right add-on at the right time at the right price. Uh, so we tend to be pretty organically and operationally focused investors, mm -hmm. and um, I think that that has a nice dynamic with many of the employees of the company because they now see more opportunity. There's new things for them to grow into and try. Um, whereas maybe there wasn't as much emphasis on growth and expansion up until uh, our involvement in that new leader that comes on that I've described and um, some of the skills and experiences that that executive can bring to the company and uh, enabling growth and, and looking for new avenues to, to build a business. Yeah, it's kind of exciting because you're finding companies are at that inflection point and it's at the very top, you've got the owner founder that they're these ones are specifically looking for an exit as opposed to other owners and founders are looking to partner and, and continue on. That's not a fit for you, but you're at that inflection point. And unfortunately you have an owner that has his or her plans, but then you got everybody else that's involved that have, you know, different time horizons, timetables. And it's at that point you can go ahead, come in and assist an organization in a pivot. I think that's fantastic. I also really like the idea of serving this underserved market, the lower middle market. Uh, owners and founders, especially those that are looking for an exit, they're not used to looking at M&A. They don't think about it very much, so they don't know where to turn. And then they end up defaulting to big institutions or you know, putting in a call to Goldman Sachs or something like that. But big, big, big organizations that you know, it's not their fault. It's just they don't have the bandwidth to bring resources down to that level to meet their needs. So like you say, the, this group of great entrepreneurs that have added tremendous value to society in a lot of towns where they are, they get overlooked, they get underserved, they get, you know, not very good responses from, from the institutions. At the whole time, they're getting overcharged. And you know, if there is a transaction, they end up leaving money on the table, which is in nobody's interest. And so it's great when you got organizations like Salt Creek Capital that 
you're not a fit for everything, but for that, that one inflection point type business with the leader, I think that is ideal. So the more people that are aware of that, I think benefits. And the great thing is you don't have to worry about transition. You've got the team ready to just step right in and, and, and carry carry forward. And that's always, I think, post, post-closing introduction of new management and that kind of integration, I think it, it can be a real challenge that you get to bypass. Yeah, thank you for the kind words. And, and we totally agree. And oftentimes, it's not that a business owner maybe hasn't um, prepared or, or had a game plan for what to do transition wise, but that can change. Um, you know, adult children may decide they don't want to step into dad's footsteps and run his business. And there's other career paths they choose to pursue. And um, maybe there's not a number two strong enough in the business to step up at the time the owner wants to retire. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of different factors that can lead to that situation where new leadership is required. And so finding a, a, a group like us that can assist with that leadership transition is important. I wouldn't say there's um, as many of us that are willing to take on that that leadership transition risk. I think there's a lot of PE firms who really look for strong management who are going to continue with the business. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a, a very logical approach to take. There's definitely risk in leadership transition, um, but, but there is a risk there. And that risk is that you are going to see eye to eye with the CEO whose business you're acquiring and that you'll line up in terms of what you're trying to achieve growing that business and your investment thesis. Um, whereas we definitely take on risk that our new leader is going to learn that business, but we have a good solid working relationship coming into um, that, that new ownership role. Our executive partners uh, typically work with us, you know, could be as long as a year trying to identify a good company to acquire, meaning we've had a lot of time in the saddle together, understand uh, that executive strengths and where we think he or she may need some support. And likewise, that executive learns a lot about us and our expectations and what we think are good sort of risk reward value creating exercises, essentially learn a lot. They learn a lot about our playbook even before uh, we're invested together in a business. Um, so that, that relationship coming in, we think is, is, is valuable. Um, and, and I think is important for a seller to see that we have a cohesive group, that there's a uniform outlook as to what should be done in developing and growing that business. Um, for many sellers, uh, as you pointed out, they may be in a community where they're a very large employer and they're serving the needs of that community. Their name may be on the building out front and they have a lot of pride in that, in that business and, and may have spent more time building that business than raising their kids and their families. And so that handoff is, is of critical importance. They really want to know that um, that person who will be sitting in their seat has a lot of great experience that the ownership group uh, as a, a long-term growth outlook that that makes sense to them. And I think hearing from the CEO and from Salt Creek collectively as to what our, our plan is for the business, you know, helps ease that, that transition, if nothing else, from an emotional standpoint. Well, let's also think of one other default decision, the owner founder that's uninformed and just, they're not ill-educated. They just, they're not informed. And this is where you and the private equity community come in is if the owner founder wants an exit, they're 
first default is possibly an institution, but they really they'll look for strategic and they'll look for one of their competitors or, uh, you know, a supplier or some other uh, organization out there. And, you know, they that decision may not be always the best fit for the owner because, you know, that industry, maybe they're, they're you know, hampered in. But the other thing is a real risk is, you know, with private equity coming in, you figure management and most of the employees are going to be there. But if it's a strategic acquisition, there are going to be reductions in force. There's going to be redundancies. And there are some organizations where, you know, you've had your, your team there for decades. And it's another, just another thought out there to, to uh, advantage that you can bring to the table versus a strategic, I imagine. You're absolutely right, Patrick. And, and I think um, the, the range of different outcomes and the range of different types of buyers and transaction type are um, endless. And, and you and I are um, involved in this every day with our life. This is what we do. On the other hand, if you're a business owner and you're manufacturing or if you're providing industrial services and now you're faced with a sale of your business, this is not what you spent 10 or 20 years preparing for. There's, there's very limited um, guidelines and, and hopefully you have a, a good attorney that you can work with and your accountant is good at advising you as you prepare for a transaction. But, but seeing the sort of lack of resources, one of the things we've done at Salt Creek is to author a book. And the book is uh, intended specifically to business owners um, and it's called Exit optimizing the sale of your business to professional investors. And it, it very much is a, a how-to to think through who are the types of buyers. And, and some may be strategic and, and have expectations about closing down a plant and consolidating operations somewhere else. And um, could be private equity buyers and their expectations and what they're like to deal with. And uh, even within that community of private equity buyers, you know, what, what are the different transaction types if you're wanting to retire and there's there's going to be a need for leadership transition or if you still have some years you want to work and you want to roll equity and, and have a partner for some period of time. There's, there's a lot of things to consider and think about. We've tried to cover many of those um, different topics in our book and uh, are publishing it currently will be available uh, shortly, uh, both in ebook and, and hard print uh, versions. But you know, we've we've just heard from so many sellers that this is a daunting and stressful process. And, um, it, you know, we're learning in every transaction we do, but we do this, you know, 50, 60, 70 hours a week, and we've been doing it for decades. Um, hard for someone who's going to do this once in life to um, to, to get comfortable and, and to, to learn all that they need to to make sure they have a successful transaction. Yeah, I think it's outstanding that you're going ahead and you're sharing your knowledge with, with the market out there, not only for uh, prospective clients of yours, but for people that may want to, you know, do it themselves, maybe. And, you know, at least it's not, you know, uh, exit planning for idiots or the idiot's guide to exit planning. So that's so that, that gives you a little bit, you know, step up from there. But I'm sure this is something that's written you know, for the for the entrepreneur, the non-MA expert, I'm sure you've got a step-by-step roadmap for how to stage what the process is like, because I think the biggest fearful thing is the unknown. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, and I think, you know, having um, a book that, that talks about all these different um, types of transactions, 
but also the steps along the way. What are the milestones, topics to consider you know, related to legal and debt that a, a buyer may use and leveraging your business uh, oftentimes are, are things that you know we run into business owners and they, they haven't thought so, as much about. So, so we, we hope that this prepares them. Um, you know, we work with uh, business owners who are working with an investment bank and in selling their business and maybe getting good advice. Uh, we have some that, like you said, would rather try to do it on their own. Um, maybe that's because they want to talk directly to a capital provider and have more of a one-on-one, which I think works really well, in particular, if there's that leadership transition dynamic, because they're almost looking at it as much as an interview for who's going to be sitting in their seat when they're gone and um, not necessarily um, willing to um, have the details of their business splashed about to a, a number of buyers. And so for that for that owner who wants to have a more direct conversation with the PE firm, interview the person who's going to be sitting in a seat, keep a smaller number of buyers, um, uh, allow a fewer number of buyers into the details of his business, um, you know, we, we think this book will enable that type of transaction as well. Well, I'm looking forward to that. There's one other element with, with m and is discussed theoretically, and there's quite a bit of risk that's involved in the in these transactions. They don't happen in a vacuum. And when owners and founders come to the realization that, well, is at risk to my counterparty if things don't go right, that comes really there to, uh, you know, front and center. Because a lot of business risk can be covered, you know, with with the shield of the corporation and and you know insurance and other things like that. But when you get into a transaction, the buyer, uh, the seller, for the first time realizes that their house could be at risk. Literally, when you're talking some of these deals, and so that brings just a higher level of of concern, of stress, and and you know dealing with the unknown. What's been great in the insurance industry is there's a product called rep warranty insurance that heretofore was available only to deals north of $100 million in transaction value. It has now come down both in price and eligibility criteria to be able to provide insurance for deals as low as between 10 and 15 million in transaction value. It's, it's, it's become very accommodating. And the purpose of it is to take that indemnity obligation that the seller owes to the buyer and remove it from the seller and put it with the insurance company so that if there is a post-closing breach of the seller reps to the buyer, buyer doesn't pursue the seller, buyer goes right to an insurance company, collects the check. Seller gets a clean exit. They're not going to be fearful of a clawback. And in a lot of cases, the insurance policy replaces any monies held in escrow or withheld. So it's a nice, nice thing that goes out there. It's not a fit for every deal, but I'm just curious, Dan, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. Tell us any experience you've had with rep and warranty insurance. Yeah, we, uh, we had a great experience with rep and warranty uh, insurance on a sale not too long ago. And this was a business that we'd owned for three and a half years and had an opportunity to combine with a strategic and um, uh, a new platform, essentially. And um, by um, acquiring the rep and warranty insurance, we were able to distribute cash out to investors more quickly. It helped our IRR uh, because we weren't waiting for an escrow or as large of an escrow to break uh, somewhere down the line. The 
buyer felt good about the fact that there was a backstop for any breaches of reps and warranties. Um, so it, it was a more efficient use of capital than tying up the purchase proceeds uh, in a larger amount for a longer period of time than we would have otherwise. So I, I think we're going to increasingly look to rep and warranty insurance, especially on the exit, on the buy, uh, depending on the size of the transaction and how much complexity that that may introduce into uh, the transaction. We'll have to make a decision. Like you said, every transaction is unique, but I think it's worked very well for us on the exit and we'll continue to to look for those types of products to help us. You mentioned that the ideal profile of a, a prospective investment for you is going to be an organization where management owner founder is looking to transition out. Could fill out that profile a little bit more. I mean, what's, what's your ideal target look like? Yeah, that's a great question. And there's really sort of uh, two general profiles. One is the executive who's later in life. You may be late sixties, early seventies, and the purpose of the transition really is to achieve liquidity for retirement. And so they uh, are not as excited about rolling equity or having ongoing involvement with the company. It's really more of a clean break type of situation. And so this, this transaction allows them to achieve liquidity. Many, many times, most of their net worth is tied up in that business, and this uh, enables retirement. The other type of transaction, and we've done several of these, is someone who's younger and maybe still has some energy and enthusiasm and excitement to be involved with the business, but they have other professional interests. So they want to spend time pursuing other things in life. Um, we bought a business, for example, from someone who started the business in college. And so by the time he was in his late 30s, early 40s, and uh, feeling like, gosh, is this the only job I'm ever going to have? Um, and good for him. He was an excellent entrepreneur for starting a business in college, but he got involved in investing in real estate and, and doing some other things outside of the area that he lived and, and needed a partner essentially to provide the day-to-day -day operation and the focus required to grow that business and take it to the next level. And he chose to roll some equity with us. He chose to remain on the board. Um, he had a wealth of knowledge on the industry and was and, and continues to be a great partner to us. Um, but we were able to free him up and provide him liquidity to go do other real estate investing and, and professional things that he now has the time to do. So th those are sort of the two main profiles. It's either that sort of last transaction before retirement or it's the transit transition to a, a, another part of a professional career and providing uh, liquidity and some chips off the table to go do those other things that you may have an interest in doing. Another uh, aspect of the executives that we work with that's important is um, many of them are recent empty nesters. Last child just went off to college or maybe just graduated college. They've got one or two more stops in their career before retirement. And they've done well uh, from a W-2 standpoint, but they want to have a wealth-creating event that will really help them enjoy their retirement that much more. They have some more flexibility because when we buy a business, it's not necessarily going to be where that executive happens to live. So it often re results in that executive relocating to where the business is um, and investing alongside of us and having uh, ideally a very nice seven-digit or more 
outcome after five years when we go to sell that business. And so it, it, it's a program that fits very nicely for those empty nesters uh, who, who want to really take a try something new for that last experience or two before retirement. And Dan, you mentioned earlier, 35 transactions in the last 10 years. That's right. Okay. Yeah. You're not new to this. So uh, I, I, I think you, you, you've, you've completed that learning curve. Um, let me ask you just, we're just in the new year. I think everybody's glad that 2020 is in rear view mirror, but, you know, share with me your thoughts on just what trends you see for 2021 into 2022, either macro or specific to Salt Creek Capital. Yeah, I would say um, one of the big trends that we've been tracking for years, and we, we see fortunately um, over the coming decade, is the large number of baby boomers that are going to be retiring over the next 10 to 15 years. It was a very entrepreneurial generation. Um, uh, many businesses are owned by someone in their 60s or 70s and will need to transition. So that 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 first uh Character is uh, characteristic of a seller of someone looking for liquidity for retirement. We think will be a nice um, a nice wave over the coming years for us to participate in. Somewhere around two hundred thousand businesses of the size and type in the U.S. Uh, that we would be interested based on our research, and we're doing a lot of work uh, to actually build a database of all of those businesses, and um, we're doing outreach to those business owners as part of our sourcing efforts. Um, so we, we hope to find a lot of those businesses of retiring owners or those that are baby boomer. Um, but we'd also be delighted to find those that are still early in their career and, and wanting a partner and wanting some liquidity and um, uh, a PE firm to partner with and help drive that business to the next stage of growth. Um, so uh, either either of those two characteristics of, of a seller or business owner uh, are exciting to us, but um, uh, we're we're feeling like we're going to be in business for a while, and uh, ho- hopefully this this is my last job, and it takes me another twenty years until I'm retiring. Well, that's great. That's great to hear. I had two observations from from those which are absolutely profound. Is I, I was speaking with another uh, uh, fellow, Brett Hickey from. Uh, Star Mountain Capital, and he had mentioned one thing where people are aware of things like COVID or they're aware of taxes or whatever, and they're distracted. But one thing that just keeps marching on while you're worried about all these temporary issues is time doesn't stop. And so that was the thing is we've got that aging population that continues to age. So I, I think that's very, very relevant. The other issue is that I think the younger folks coming in to take over businesses, very talented they are more focused and highly value that live work balance. And so I think you're going to have a lot of uh, owners, uh, new owners or younger owners that are going to be looking to partner with somebody because they don't have to do it all because they want to do the other things and have the diversity in their life's lifestyle. So I think, I think that, yeah, your market is not shrinking by any you know way, shape or form. So I think that's fantastic. Dan, in addition to this great book, Exit, which please look for it, we'll have a link uh, on their show notes for so you can go ahead and grab it. Um, How else can our audience find you? Um, Probably the easiest way is our website. And uh, that's out there at saltcreekcap.com. We've got all of our team members and representative portfolio companies there. 
Uh, and I would say we'd love to hear from um, business owners that, that want to have a conversation with us, investment banks and, and brokers that are working with business owners, uh, but also importantly, executives who are interested in pursuing an entrepreneurial track and wanting to consider our executive partnership program is a way to get there. And Carol Durka is the person on our team who leads all of our executive recruiting efforts. And she's also on our website and can be reached that way. Well, Dan Phelps, Salt Creek Capital, thanks very much. I would say to everybody, if you go to their website, it's a very user-friendly website, unlike the private equity sites uh, of five, 10 years ago, where you, you had to have some kind of password just to get in to get, get access to them. All the information is there, so it, it is very user-friendly. Thank you again for joining us and best of luck for 2021. Thank you, Patrick. It was a pleasure talking to you today and I uh, really enjoyed the time together. 